0: You're listening to Transform Your Profits, the podcast for accountants who want to build a more profitable, successful, and impactful accounting firm. Your host is Reza Huda, a practice owner, mentor, and coach to accounting firm owners.
1: Hello there. Welcome to today's session of the episode. I have with me today Lucy Cohen of Mazuma Money. Lucy's story is fascinating. She started her firm ages 23 back in 2006 and has scaled it to over 2000 clients today in just over a decade. Lucy has won multiple awards together with her business partner, both personally and for her company. She's certainly a disruptor when it comes to the accounting profession, has done things differently from the very start and has got some amazing successes, having started with nothing and just a hundred pounds working from her bedroom. So this is a fantastic episode. You'll certainly pick up some nuggets about pricing, about the subscription model, about really knowing who your ideal client is, because what Lucy and her partner have done with Mizuma Money is really command a leading place in a sector of the market which enables them to really fortify and consolidate their position without much competition at all. And you'll learn how they've managed to do that, how they've managed to get that competitive advantage in that part of the marketplace. So without further ado, let's crack on with the session with Lucy and I'll see you on the other side as always if you have liked this podcast please rate review and subscribe because it helps us to uh, uh do more of these in the future take care and I'll speak to you soon
0: hi Lucy hi how you doing I'm good thanks yeah how are you
1: I'm very well. Thank you. And if you haven't yet caught up on previous episodes, so so a quick uh, quick intro, as it were, to this series of sessions. This is now episode, I forget, I think it's 17 in my series of interviews with accountants doing great things, accountants in the trenches. And if you haven't yet caught up on the others, you can catch up on my podcast, which is called Transform Your Profits, as you can see up there or on my youtube channel as well type in my name and you'll be able to find it and catch up on interviews that i've done with some great accountants uh off the top of my head people like um, paul barnes jerry williams francesca Tricarico, uh jeffrey lama to name but a few but lots and lots of great nuggets from those conversations so go and catch up on those if you haven't already but not yet after this interview with lacy Lise- Lucy cohen so Enough from me. Over to you, Lucy, give us a bit of a background in terms of you, how you got into accounting, when you set up your firm, and we'll take it from there.
0: Sure. I mean, yeah, I'll give you the potted history. Um, I never set off in life to be an accountant. I don't know how many of us actually did, um, <laughs> apart from my business partner, who always wanted to study accountancy. So she's maybe an anomaly, I don't know. Um, but uh, yeah, I started off, I come from, winding it all the way back, I come from a very creative family. So my family are all actors, dancers, musicians. <laughs> Um, and I really wanted to go and study drama at Exeter University. So I finished my A-levels and um, got the grades and had my place and something just didn't feel right. And I deferred for a year and um, went to work in film and TV, like dream job, you know, just landed on my feet there. I say landed on my feet. I'm I'm pretty cheeky. So kind of blagged my way into this and worked on um, kind of a, you know, a few films for about 18 months. And this was a thing that I wanted. I, you know, I always thought that I wanted to do, and it turns out I hated it. Like I absolutely hated it. It was, it was, I, yeah, I hated the hours. I hated the people. I was like, um, but no, no, it, 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 there were some lovely people. But you just spend your whole time. It's not glamorous, and you spend your whole time like standing in wet fields, uh, in the rain, in waterproof gear, not schmoozing around TV studios. So it kind of wasn't what I thought it would be. Granted, at this time I was only nineteen, so. Um, So I just kind of had a bit of a, all right, what on earth am I going to do then? There doesn't seem much point going to university if um, that isn't the path I want to take. So I went to see a careers advisor and they were like, well, you're pretty academic. You're quite logical. Have you thought about accounts? And I'm like, yeah, great. Sounds good. Let's do it. Um, So I walked over to Jury's Hotel Group, it was at the time, and I was like, have you got any jobs in accounts? And they're like, that's really weird you've said that. But yeah, we have actually. We've got a purchase ledger clerk job going. Do you know what that is? I was like, no, but I will learn. Um, and that's where it started. I studied in the evenings, um, went to college in the evenings, um, and that's where it all started. And because of my family's background, so as I kind of, you know, um, my experience in, in accounts grew, my um, I kind of realized there was this real gap in micro business space, you know, sole traders, self-employed people, one, you know, owner managed companies, what we used to call getting really poor service out there in the industry this was 15 years ago i've been at this 15 years now so this was pre-cloud software this was when you used to have like install stuff on your desktop with a cd-rom um you know this this was in the days when having a subscription for an accounting service was unheard of was literally unheard of. having anything other than just billing by the hour was was unheard of or per six minutes um and yeah, I saw the struggle of my family uh, You know, in January the the flap and the stress and the tax bill and the deadlines and it was just miserable and I was like Do you know what there's got to be a better way of doing this and I we didn't grow up with very much money when I was a kid so having a steady income has always been really important to me um you can you know several therapists have identified that from me um having a steady income is, is really important to me having that kind of kind of financial stability and um so I was like well I'll just get everyone to pay me the, you monthly split it up pay the monthly make a subscription that's it so I know where where I stand then and kind of inadvertently invented a subscription model and I didn't go into it thinking at the age of 23 right I'm going to invent a subscription model accountancy service but that's kind of what happened um the first business advisor that myself and my business partner ever went to see um told us it would never work you couldn't rebrand accountancy um there was no way this was ever going to take off and again classic me just decided he was absolutely wrong and he was, um, and that was fifteen years ago. And we started off with about a hundred quid in my spare bedroom, and we used to share a printer cable because you know we didn't want to buy an extra printer cable. And we used to have uh, two phones, but um, we used to have to. This is, again. This is before smartphones were a thing. I used to have a little flippy Motorola thing. Um, Used to transfer the call by a bit like when you're sat on the stairs on the phone and your mum picks up the other end when you're a kid. You're like, "Mum, get off the phone." This is showing how old I am now. There's probably a lot of young people watching this going, "I've got no idea what she's talking about." On landlines, that's what we used to do. you used to like pick up one side and the other person picked it up and the other person put it down to transfer calls. Um, there was a lot of pretending. I was the secretary uh, to take messages for myself for later in the day. Uh, you know, it was it was all that, and we didn't take we didn't yeah we couldn't borrow any money. We started in two thousand and six and then the credit crunch happened, a massive financial crash and we couldn't borrow any money. We couldn't even get an overdraft. We couldn't get a credit card. so we just had to learn to be very lean, learn how to make make that kind of subscription model work for us in terms of um you know we need the guaranteed income we need an easy way to bill it, and we need to make sure every client's making us enough money to pay ourselves but also to put money back into the company to grow it. And really, that's kind of how it started. That's, that was 15 years ago. And I feel like I've been a startup kind of maybe five or six times over the last 15 years because, <laughs> because, because there's always a new thing. There's always a new challenge. There's always a shift in the world or in, uh, in business or, or in technology that means you've got to go back to the beginning a little bit and go, right, okay, the world's changed. How do we address this? Classic example, you know, the internet when we started and we we bought our first website uh the web designer told us all oh, the thing is that you you know you're a professional service um your your website is basically just a uh just a brochure for your firm an online brochure for your firm you have to have it but no one's really going to look at it that much social media wasn't a thing you know the world's completely changed um in 15 years and so Yeah, we um we've ridden that wave uh, quite a lot over over the last fifteen years. Yeah, like I said, I feel like I've been a kind of startup five or six times during that time period.
1: Amazing! What a what a story! So (laughs) um so so good to hear in terms of you know where you started out, and I can absolutely relate. I'm probably a bit older than you, so I can absolutely relate to the landlines (laughs) and. uh phone, running the phone to your friends, so <laughs> definitely so. And I think we started around the same time, so I started around 2008. So yeah, yeah absolutely credit crunch time when things were a lot different than they are yeah. now. What a, what a story. And so what would you say in terms of kind of your journey? Because you've gone on a fairly fast trajectory. So talk us through kind of your your kind of growth over those years. You're at 2,000 clients now. What were you doing? What do you think made you different that enabled you to bring on so many clients so fast to scale as rapidly as you have done? Let share, you know, two or three things that were
0: yeah.
1: uh, integral to that uh, that happening.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. Um... I mean, we're, we're a bit over 2000 now, we've got some pretty aggressive growth plans over the next couple of years, we should be kind of heading for that kind of 10,000 mark um, in the next wow. kind of couple of years. Um, so a few things we've done that, first of all, is um, only and very stringently taking on the right clients. There's absolutely no way you'll you know, you don't have a leaky bucket, right? There's no point bringing on a client because it takes time and energy to bring on a client and get to know them. That first three month period is a real loss leader in terms of subscription services because we're mm. getting to know the client, we're understanding them, we're making all the notes, we're getting, we're training them a little bit how to get their stuff to us. Mm. After that, when it gets easier, it kind of starts. Imagine it's like training a dog or a child. Um, it gets a bit, it gets a little bit easier. Um, but that you know you don't want to take people on if they're a bad fit because within three or four months they're going to leave. And then you've wasted all that time and resource. That's a that's a real problem. So you can't have a leaky bucket in subscription services. It, it's it. There's too much front loading of investment to do that. So you have to be absolutely razor focus on who your clients are. Put your personas out and only go after those. And, you're, and if someone comes into you and goes, oh, my friend recommended me, I really want to use your services. You go through the questions, you qualify them to make sure that they're the right client. And if they're not, you say, I'm really sorry. We're not the right service for you. and This isn't going to be a match, but I can refer you to you have people in your back pocket you can refer on to so you can give them a hug as they leave. Um, that right. is one absolute razor focus on the right client. Always have had, uh, always have had that. Um, yeah, we, okay, who is that? Sorry, Lucy. Who is
1: that kind of right client for you?
0: So, so we're micro. So we're talking sub two hundred and fifty k turnover, fewer than five staff. I mean, uh, around fifty percent of our client base aren't even at VAT registration threshold. So we're talking that right. real kind of low, low, high volume, low fee market um the other thing is having replicable processes within the business so you can't scale if you do something different for every client or if you at volume is what i mean so you can't we you know, our profit margins are, are tight um so we have to have everything absolutely you know, it's a manufacturing but it's a manufacturing line it doesn't sound very sexy and it's you know it's, like, we, it's not really good sales but it's like oh we like manufacturing but we, we have to use a manufacturing business model applied to a business process um because otherwise if we start having to which is why we ended up going to kind of stepping on point three uh technology why we ended up developing our own technology because we couldn't be in a place where we were logging into all different systems for all different clients and being software agnostic and all that stuff because if we charge more money yeah maybe we could but we don't um and that's not our model and we know who we are So, yeah, having absolutely stringent processes, really locking those down and not deviating from them, even if someone's like, oh, can you just, you know, couldn't you just do this? No, we couldn't. You don't ask Netflix. Couldn't you just uh, show me these ones? or Couldn't you just do this? Couldn't you just make some more TV shows that I'd like? That's not how a subscription works. A subscription, you subscribe to what's offered. And you take it or leave it so getting that in which is as you can imagine a huge client education piece like that's really hard to do and then the next is technology so we've used technology we've been very selective in what technology we've used we've been super selective in how we've implemented it there's always a test measure and we're not afraid to ditch something if it's not showing us results i haven't got time for you'll see results for this in two years that's not us, we're very fast paced, like I said, subscription, it results that the ROI is not coming quickly enough, we just ditch it um, and, and then revert. So we always kind of have like a little overlap of a dual run. um, Yeah, and, and technology, so we've actually developed our own technology this year, which deals with that um, gap, I think there is between Accountants too. Well, it, you know, we started off making it just for ourselves. We built this just for us, and now a bunch of other people are like, "Oh, can can I use it?" And I'm like, "Okay, <laughs> yeah, maybe you could." Um, we we've got a huge scanning suite in our office. So we've got these machines. That you throw basically you hurl paperwork at them, and it goes and it'll take everything from like here to like teensy winty here, handwritten, all the rest of it, scan them, sort them, upload them, character stuff, all the fancy IT wiz- wizardry, and do that. So we can we can kind of essentially rent that facility to other people who don't have that kind of volume, who take them all day to kind of sit there and scan their clients' paperwork because those machines aren't cheap. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, so so we've got we had that we had the capital to do that, and we did that, which meant that we could still service the market that we 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 kind of put them into two cohorts so we've got ProTech and they're who everyone talks about they ProTech, you know they'll snap and send they'll use a bit of software they'll raise invoices they'll you know they're they're, they're online natives digital natives and then there's no tech who are people who are, i don't use the word luddites, but they're behind the curve they're going to be a nightmare for you as a client trying to get them onto quickbooks or or, or sage or you know, zero other software vendors are available apparently. Um, you know, it, it's going to be a nightmare for you to get them on there. We, we built something which can bridge that gap, which is we can literally take their physical paperwork, make it digital, extract the data and then send it off to wherever you want to send it off to. So we, mm-hmm. we ended up kind of accidentally building that. But it was just, this, it, again, just to meet our own needs. There was nothing out there that did it. So we we're like, well, we can we can invent something that did. So that's what we've just finished, finished up on this year. Um, and we've just started implementing as with all software development it took about 6 months longer than we thought um and cost a bit more than we thought um but we've just started rolling that into our client base now um all new clients going onto it and uh slowly phasing in uh, existing clients into it so yeah that's technology's been a, a big part of that scale.
1: Mm, fantastic. No, that that's amazing and I love what you said there about you know if it's if it's not working for you if it's failing then we ditch it. Oh and, yeah. Uh, Accountants get into that mindset because they're quite, you know, call and perfectionist that they won't actually launch something until it's absolutely perfect. Yeah. Whereas you come across a bit more entrepreneurial minded that let's just do it and we learn from it. If it works, great, we'll keep developing it. If it doesn't, we ditch it and we go elsewhere and we try again. Um, yeah, and that, that, that's great to hear.
0: Absolutely. Do you know what? It was actually a phrase which one of my friends, her therapist, sold it to her when she was getting divorced. Don't recommend that as a business uh, coaching method, but <laughs> they said just because you've spent a long time making a mistake doesn't mean you need to keep doing it. And Absolutely. when you apply that to business, it's just, it's sunk cost fallacy, right? So just because you've spent a long time making a mistake or putting a lot of money into something and it's not working, you you have to learn to cut your losses. Part of business is losing a bit of money every now and again because yeah if if it's always safe then um yeah you're never going to get anywhere yeah the the world wasn't mm. innovation doesn't happen from people who sat around doing what's always been done
1: absolutely definitely and yeah, f- for sure. Going back to what you said about, you know, really focusing and knowing who your ideal client is. And I think that has been the, the key to your success. I mean, you are very clear about your market. Yeah. Something I talk about in my framework as well to build a profitable accounting firm. One of those pillars is positioning. You need to know exactly who you serve and how you serve them. And that is what will give you a competitive advantage. But most of the time, because I think you've pulled off in a market which um it's very hard to compete in. So really, as Michael Porter would say, there are only two strategies when it comes to dominating a market, coming to having competitive advantage. One is low cost leadership. Mm -hmm. The other is high value differentiation. Mm -hmm. Now, most accountants fall in the middle, so they don't actually achieve either. Um, And when they try, I mean, you can succeed and you can be really profitable in low cost leadership, but you have to be extremely efficient and you have to really know your market and you have to be really streamlined and your back office has to be so slick and streamlined and it's the likes of you know Ryanair or Aldi or Lidl and they pull it off but there's, ve- there's not much room in the marketplace for those players. Yeah. And, but you know exactly where you are, and you know how to command and control that particular marketplace, and that's why you're being so successful at it. But it's, it's not for everyone. No. Uh, like you say, the barriers of entry are very difficult because you've spent so long in getting those back-office procedures so automated, so slick, that you can still command a profit at the level of prices that you're charging.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's not, it isn't easy, and... Um, we've also seen that that kind of model be very challenged over the last probably I'd say f- five years in particular, with the advent of social media and it being a real place where people expect everything immediately. You know, when we started telling people you could have a five working day turnaround on your books, everyone's like, Oh, that's amazing. Wow, that's so much quicker. And now you've got like adverts on TV going to see your results in real time. And I'm like, God, oh, but they're not real results, but no one <laughs> understands that. Um uh, and yeah, we we have to, we have to message against that, and we have to, we, we butt up against that a lot, and, and we have to be very clever and and quite brave in how we kind of we stand there and go, no, do you what? Yeah, you can have real time if you want to pay an account the sun next to you all day whilst you purchase things to your business, but otherwise, it's not real time accounting information. It's real time data, but that data does it as we all know. Rubbish in, rubbish out. So it's quite brave for us to be able to tell our clients, no, because you're going to do it wrong. So <laughs> this is why we do it the way we do it. It's because you're going to do it wrong. And that's fine because I'm not going to cut my own hair or build my own house. So that's all. Mm. cool. Um, <laughs> yeah, we, it, it's quite. Um, we have to be quite bold in, in terms of doing that. And yeah. again, that isn't a strategy for everybody.
1: Yeah, definitely. Okay, so let's let's talk about uh, subscription a little bit more then. Mm. So, talk to me about you know kind of your price points because I believe they are on the website anyway. Yeah. And you know when did you and how would you clearly you know this is a, a lot of accountants won't be able to get their head around the fact that you know if someone comes to you and after two months if they've got year ends to do then you'll just do them anyway even though then they paid you a month or two. So talk us through the thinking behind that and how you make that work from something that would seemingly be wow if someone comes to you in month one and month two gets all the work done and then leaves yeah surely you can't make any money so
0: yeah Yeah, so we do we do obviously have a few um kind of ifs buts and caveats um in terms of how we get people on the subscription so yeah it is true someone could sign up with us in month 11 and um and get all their stuff in and uh hypothetically speaking could get their, um, you know, they'd be eligible to have their year-end accounts and things done because mm. their year-end has passed, they would be eligible for it. Um, but we've been able to build in a little bit of wiggle room around that. So we look at um, uh, urgency. So, so realistically speaking, very few people come to you um, the month of their, uh, you know, the day their year-end needs doing with all their documents it, it, it ready, in place to be done um instantly and we can get them done within that month so already we're kind of that subscription is already kind of rolling a little bit um because we've got slas like like all subscriptions they've got terms, they've got you know the terms agreements you you, you with your broadband you can't uh you know, download too much On i don't know the technical terms for this, but you know even every subscription even has got kind of quite stringent uh terms of use around it and fair usage policies as well we have fair usage policy which is something that's quite a very unusual in accountancy but very commonplace in subscription services to have a fair usage policy which basically gives us the right if we say to any look you're you're taking the mickey now you're on the phone eight hours a day this isn't it's not in the spirit of uh, what we're providing here um we think this isn't you we just say we, we think you're not a good fit for us that you're looking for something more we can't provide you um but ultimately this is all about averages and percentages this is all about um it it kind of working out so there's some clients that will make us a, a really good profit every year and some clients that probably make us a loss um but overall uh we know our margins per type of client and we look at things in terms of types rather than an individual client basis everything's very highly tracked we use uh time tracking software per client so we know how much contact time staff are having how much time they're on the phone how much um data storage they're using, all that sort of stuff. And it means then that we can always evaluate the makeup of our client base. So look at kind of who's using it and then adjust our marketing accordingly. So maybe we've had a couple of months where there's just April, for example, always got a load of sole traders sign up in April. and January, um, obviously, <laughs> um, they're not they're not money makers for us really. They're kind of uh, they make us our lowest margins and non VAT registered sole traders, twenty eight pound a month. They make us our lowest margins. Um, So we could uh, maybe turn off our advertising to that group if we wanted to attract some higher value clients over the next couple of months, or we could add additional revenue into advertising to target other markets. Um, We can go and fish in different ponds if the makeup of what we're doing doesn't quite fit. So we constantly uh, kind of balancing our client base to make sure that we don't get a situation where all 100 clients that have signed up all have a year-end due tomorrow and all expect it. then um we we kind of we're, were able to balance that and we can only do that because we've got 15 years of data we've got 15 mm-hmm. years of data of, of people's behaviors of how they um how they behave when they purchase um the emotion behind purchasing decisions uh, we, we know we know so for example we know on average how many um how many responses from one of our accountants it takes on average to answer to satisfactorily answer a client query when we start seeing those metrics creeping up we know we've got to pull a lever somewhere to kind of bring them back down again otherwise the whole thing it's like making a cake you get one ingredient slightly out and your cake goes kaput it's a little bit like that
1: Mm. yeah absolutely and I I think um, what was pertinent there that you said it's not about kind of profit per client it's about profit across the portfolio Yes, you will have some clients that generate you a greater return and others that won't, but it will kind of balances it out in yeah. the end. Um, so what is that kind of variance? That you said £28 a month for the sole traders. What is kind of the top range subscription package that you, you could have with Missouma?
0: Around yeah. £130 a month. Um, okay. Higher okay. if you add on other extras.
1: Right. OK, fantastic. So, There's
0: quite a variance there, as you can see. Um, and and yeah. yet the process for both of those clients and the process in terms of what we do and how we do it. So oh yes, some of the outputs are different um, because they have additional things, but that process remains the same for both.
1: Hmm. Okay. And I mean when did it kind of dawn on you that this was the way to go? So like you said, you kind of stumbled across yeah. subscription. And then when did you actually focus on actually now this is a fundamental part of what makes us different and what the market we're will willing to pay for? And given that, you know, everything else in our world is turning to subscription and Netflix and Uber yeah. and you know, all these uh, grace boxes and chambers yeah. and everything else, when did you think that actually, you know, we're onto something here, we can actually now make this a focal point of how we bring on board new clients and make it uh, you know, a unique selling point of what we do?
0: Um- that's a really good question I'm not I don't know I know, I don't know if I know um it didn't dawn on me because because literally I mean hardly when we started, this hardly anyone was even doing fixed fee you know mm. um so it sort of it sort of evolved if I'm honest I think it was probably probably around 2009 so we've been tinkering with it and getting it right for sort of three years surviving we were at that point we were not thriving we were just surviving as a business we were young and poor and um sure. and 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 in a, in a very difficult space um and i think it was when other people started going oh okay that's that's slightly like, like like a subscription but even then or people said more like a membership because even the, that word subscription wasn't used that much back then you know um you the, the closest thing people could equate it to back then was a gym membership that was the closest uh, that was the nearest kind of Thing and go well you've got a gym membership and you could go to every class every day or you could never use it but regardless you're not getting a refund like that was the best way we could describe it and um and then obviously as you had love film which uh again for younger people they probably won't remember that but that was like dvds by post um uh, i met the ceo of Love film at the time actually an awards thing simon Calvert, it was back then and he said oh it's like a subscription for currency. i get it because that's what we do and then i was like ah yep but then of course no one really I, when and again you know sometimes you are ahead of the curve if i was at that point we couldn't describe the service as a subscription service to anybody because no one knew what that was we can say we've got an accountancy subscription service there was like i don't understand you can't sell something that people don't understand so we just had to go oh it's like accountancy but we kind of like divide your fee over 12. um and then everyone go oh i see like you have to use parlance that everybody kind of understands um yeah so yeah so it's only now i say really and you know what even through covid that subscription has really become a, a, a word buzzword within the accountancy world. I think even maybe two years ago, we were probably the only people using it. Um, I'm still, that's a very bold statement. There, someone's going to come at me now and say they're using it way before. But I'm sticking with it. It's, I, you're not on air. Um So um, yeah, it, it, but actually, as the world's evolved and we started, like you said, you know, Netflix, Spotify, and then you've got um, things like you know, Peloton and other subscriptions that have kind of gone into that space it's kind of now become much more kind of commonplace to to, to hear that word um, which on one hand makes it a lot easier because it genuinely describes what we do so that's a lot easier um on the other hand it makes it a bit harder because you have a lot of people out there describing them what they do as that and it isn't really that so that makes it yeah. but that's always the case with everything right
1: yeah yeah absolutely but yeah it's, it's, it's the way the world is going it's yeah. because you know as um yeah I think people these days are are more inclined to spend money on experiences rather than things yeah absolutely huge amounts for you know vehicles i mean and even porsche now have a subscription yeah you can described to Porsche, and what they found is they're actually reaching out to an audience which previously wouldn't have driven Porsches, mm-hmm. because it was much older population. But now they're actually getting into this younger population, mm. and they can have a direct relationship with the customer, which wasn't existent before. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, it, it, and, and and we've had that all along as accountants. We've had yeah. that for years yeah. and years. So we've yep. had people come back to us year on year, right? Even if they make zero or something, they just came back. And no matter, um, you know, we had to be really bad for an account for a client to leave mm. us. But it's now actually uh, using that mm. and throwing in the fact that, yes, it's not, you don't, we, we don't have to charge people for, you know, every phone call or every email. If they're subscribed to us, if they're a member yeah. of our organization, then we should be there for them. Yeah they need us and have a package that's suitable and the the, the key really here is knowing who your audience is knowing your yeah. market is. and make it successful that is a starting point because if you try and do this for
0: everyone and anyone
1: then you won't be able to succeed as, as you kind of pointed out
0: absolutely yeah yeah, cool.
1: Okay, so any questions? If you've got any questions for Lucy, do put them in the comments and I'm happy to throw them at her. Oh, actually, Mojo Accounting has a question. So she says, I have a question on staff when you are scaling. How do you bring your team along with your vision and make them more accountable? <laughs> oh,
0: I wish I knew the answer to that. <laughs> oh, um, yeah, so some people, do you want, know this is really interesting. We had this conversation at a board meeting a couple of weeks ago. Um, some people will be really interested in the overall vision and really want to get behind the company. And when you're small, you kind of need that. You need people in your corner. You need people in your team to be like, everyone's pulling the same direction, we're in this together. Um, uh, uh, and some people will just get on board with the vision. And I gotta be honest, some people don't care. And you can't make them care and nothing you do, you can do all the engagement, you can read all the books, you can do all the the, the hugs in the world and they don't care. And that's okay. That's okay, as long as they do their job. If they don't do their job and they don't care, you've got a problem, and obviously you need to kind of get rid of those people. But sometimes I think we, I think it's become very trendy and very, this is probably not a particularly popular opinion now, but it's become very, um, uh, you know, on rogue to put a lot of stuff into startup. And we see Google on their ball pits and Netflix and their pup days or whatever they are. Um, and we see all this, go, oh, yeah, wouldn't it be cool to be that company that did that? Do you know what? I'm not big enough to do that a lot of most companies aren't you know brew dog giving a, a, a week's paternity leave for their staff who've got a, a new dog that's lovely I can't afford to do that like you're having a laugh and uh, one of my staff's got four dogs like that's ridiculous um so there's all these things it's been very trendy and we fear that we're going to lose people to these sort of super trendy company but but actually the people who like want to get on board with that kind of stuff want to get on board with you as well that you if they're on board with that as a vision they'll be on board with your vision you've just got to communicate it clearly you've got to say why it benefits everybody else and do you know what don't hide away from the fact that as the business owner you're doing this for you as well like you're not only doing it for everybody else yes one of my biggest loves is seeing so our director of operations Danielle she's been with us since she was a part-time bookkeeper she's been with us for 14 15 years now um she's developed from that into a chartered accountant in charge of kind of basically running the ship you know she's captain um I love seeing that. That's amazing. But she also was only able to do that because she believed in the vision of Mizuma and what we're doing. She quite often jokes, uh, if we cut her, she bleeds purple. Um, So she's really on board with with what we do. But we've had staff who've come in and given a really valuable contribution. And I haven't really cared about what the overall vision is because they're out for themselves and not in a negative way. They want career development and As a smaller firm, you can't always offer that. You know, if you think about why all of us went into working for ourselves or who we used to be when we worked for other people, all of us were the sort of people that wanted development, we wanted to to grow. And people will sometimes come to you, take their experience and leave. As long as they do a good job whilst they're there, I I don't see that as being problematic. The problems you have when you have people who are just doing enough to survive because they never particularly excel, they never particularly get on board. Um, they're always a little bit of a kind of like, oh, if they could just do an extra couple of percent, it would just be that much easier. Um, but they're never quite there. But um, you, you will always get those people. So I'd say it's lovely to have people on board with your vision. But actually, don't worry too much if they're not. As long as you make it really clear what they're supposed to be doing every day and and, and what behaviours will make you happy with them and what behaviours will make you cross with them. And everyone knows the rules. And this is a contract. You know, it's an employment contract. It goes both ways. You are paid... You're paying somebody in return for goods and or services um you can still make that work you can
1: mm, definitely thanks for thanks for that hopefully um, mojo sorry i don't know your name mojo accounting that, uh, let's just account- say it's
0: mojo i like the name mojo that's fine okay, yes. fantastic name
1: for an accounting firm <laughs> um very different yeah no definitely I, and i think I'd, I'd echo that in terms of yeah people it's not we don't need to you know of all these fancy benefits and pool tables and ping pong tables and all that kind of stuff it's it's the little things which make our team members our employees happy and that's things like giving them their giving them um autonomy in, yeah. uh, in how they get the work done, where they work, and make them clearly accountable to yep. say, well, you know, it doesn't matter where you do something or you know, um, where, where you are and how you do it, as long as the work gets done, and actually outlining what that is. Most people are not, don't have, don't know what, it, what they expect of their team, so how can you then turn around and say, well, actually, you didn't do this, or you didn't do that, well, you didn't actually spell out what it was that you wanted me to do. So it's just about getting very clear on yeah. what do you expect, and then let them get on with it, uh, and how them accountable to it yeah uh, autonomy and accountability absolutely Uh, okay another question from Saleh hakim software what software do you plan on using for the sole trader mtd clients when the dreaded change will be implemented
0: well we've actually built our own so that's what we did yeah (laughs) so we've got our own system called mazap which we use um and that takes it from a pile of receipts scans puts it through and then we've got ledger um, profit and loss balance sheet trial balance and um, uh, MTD filing capabilities within that. So we we actually built our own. That's probably not the the uh, answer you wanted um, because uh, that doesn't really uh, uh, you know, help. But like I said, this is something that we have built a platform now. So we're hoping we can maybe start offering. I'm not shilling here, but start offering out um, you, the, that platform for other people to use because we really recognise that MTD question around the MTD answers. Uh, that's going to be a particularly very price sensitive space to be in, in terms of how do you get a client to pay for a bit of software to do it, if you want them to do it, or how do you do it yourself and somehow recoup your costs in that? So we're looking at building a solution that can be used for that really. Like I said, we started doing it for ourselves and then we'll see if it works for other people. Mm.
1: And I'm guessing the same applies to your uh, scanning software, right? You've got your own.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We do hook into, so like so for OCR, um, we hook into other people who exist for so data extraction because I yeah I haven't got the time nor patience to build that, but we can hook that up to other providers. But yeah, uh, we are uh, we, we built that.
1: Question coming in here from Danny, I believe. What's a good platform to use for providing a subscription service?
0: Um, do you mean in terms of payment? Um... I'm not
1: really sure what Danny means. I presume so, because I guess it's not. Uh... The subscription is just the way you offer your services and i'm guessing in terms of the payment can people sign up directly they're going to go on the website and just become a client and it's all seamless and payments just get taken then by direct debit or stripe or something straight from the yeah
0: website? so we we um we use direct debit so we've got yeah. direct debit um origination which we can use um but you can do it obviously if you think about subscription you could do it there are, again like going back to the early days when we very first started it, that kind of thing was impossible to do you could sometimes i think do recurring payments on paypal but that was about it um now you've got all that you've got stripe go cardless sum up you've got all these providers um i'd say just shop around and go for one that, w- that firstly works for you as a price point and secondly for an ease of use you want something that you control though so you want something so obviously with um subscription services and especially if you're going down the direct debit route the direct debit guarantee um means the client can cancel at any time and there are there are very strict rules around when you are or not allowed to pull that sort of thing make sure you've got that in your contracts like if you're going down subscription you've got to make it really clear what happens if they don't pay so is it that you'll try and take it again um or is it that you'll uh, in order to keep the subscription live or is it that services just stop and then you block everything and they can't go into it it's a delicate thing to do in accountancy because you are dealing with it's a professional service. You're dealing with sensitive information, so we go down the route of uh, being really clear. If it fails on this attempt, we'll try it again on the next, and then if it fails again, then we'll say, "Look, you you've got five days, and and we're going to you know you kind of uh, block access until it's up to date." Um, but yeah, be, have one that you can control and, and that you set the rules around so that. You have that control because the last thing you need on a subscription service is a load of time doing admin figuring out who's paid when and how and where something with great reporting someone with alerts when people cancel or something doesn't pull they're fantastic so you can get on it straight away and something with good amounts of automation will save you a lot of time
1: excellent so is that something that you are, you don't use go cardless or anything you have your own direct relationship with a bank
0: yeah yeah so we're, uh, we're through um london and zurich um,
1: yeah Cool. Okay. Um, do you plan to charge for the additional MTD submissions that are coming? Nope. Question from Sarah. Nope. Nope. Okay. Nope. All included. All inclusive within the subscription. All
0: included in the subscription. Yeah. All included. Yeah. What we have done though. So um, again, because we are kind of, we're in that kind of accounts tech space. Is that a term? Yeah. Let's say it is. It's accounts tech. Um, in that kind of space. We are kind of, it is now, I said it first. Did I? Maybe. Um, uh Yeah, we're in that kind of accounts tech space, space. so we're somewhere between, um, it's like an accountant driven SaaS platform. So in order to make our lives more easier on that, more easier, horrible English, in order to make our lives easier. (laughs) Sorry, everyone, um, the grammar pedants out there, myself, I am one of them. Um, In order to make our lives easier, um, we've introduced SaaS style pricing, so we've got different levels. So we've, um, within the sole trader market, for example, you can have, you know, basic standard plus and premium, and each of those gives you you slightly different accesses, slightly different speeds of of things, um, slightly different turnaround times in terms of, you know, X weeks after your year end, your accounts will be completed and stuff like that. Um, And that's how we're going to be able to accommodate the additional cost of filing MTD. It's not, we're not directing We're not directly passing it back to the client, but we know that if we offer up a range of pricing, X percent will go high, X percent will go low. And then overall, it means that that's covered. So, again, it's that theory of of going for the overall rather than the individual.
1: Mm,
0: Absolutely. Brilliant.
1: Okay, one more question we'll take. Um, Kevin's here on the screen. For your client base who are closer to the 250K revenue mark and the highest fee tier, do you consider offering advisory or do you refer to another accounting partner? I think we know the answer to that.
0: Oh, now there's the, uh, we could go into the whole what is advisory debate here, couldn't we? That's the, the hot topic in the accounting world. Um. So uh, we, as part of our service, we obviously offer advice. I mean, you're not an accountant if you're not offering some form of advice. If somebody's going into that space, where they're wanting you know you can have someone who turns over 250k who raises one invoice a month and has very limited um very limited things they, they don't need advisory they just need the they need standard compliance and and the kind of what I'd say is kind of more you know bread and butter advice that people get when you get into maybe more complex kind of high growth businesses or kind of scale-ups and we start identifying them then then yeah we and that happens at not necessarily at the kind of top range but it happens when they need it so if they are a the client might be turning over n- no money um but they've had a they've had a load of seed investment or a series a and they've got these big plans that they're not our client they're not for us they've got people way better equipped to deal with that kind of uh motivation in terms of the business and we'll 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 kind of we'll help them identify a new advisor and kind of maybe introduce them to a few people we know um but yeah uh, it obviously uh we advice comes as part of the service but to a degree when we start going into the realms of complexities or people wanting things like i want a business plan i want kind of five-year cash flow forecast, and all that kind of stuff that steps out of what the subscription does and so we then yeah introduce them to somebody else
1: Fantastic. Okay, well, we're nearly out of time. We've got a couple of final questions for you. If your question hasn't been answered, then still put it in the comments and, uh, you know, tag myself or Lucy in. And hopefully when Lucy has a minute or two spare, she will uh, potentially answer your question in the comments. So what I wanted to ask Lucy is, what would you say has been your one of your biggest learning points so over the years? As you said, you know, some things work, some things don't. Mm. So what's something that perhaps you've done that you have that hasn't worked, that you have learned from and come back stronger? And that has been kind of a turning point in uh, yeah in your in your learning journey to where you are today.
0: I've got two. One, That's one, cool. one entertaining and one less interesting. So I'll go for the less interesting one first. People don't care about you putting your price up as a as a whole people don't care. Accountants generally have a really big fear of putting prices up. Oh, I've got to do a price. Oh, no. Oh, my clients only they won't. You'll get two or three people have a bit of a whinge, but they'll probably still stay. Prices go up. It's life. Stop worrying about it. Just do it. That's number one. I spent ages really kind of obsessing over the wording of how we kind of you know politely and subtly tell people like oh really also don't apologize for it price is going up like girls got to eat you got to get this stuff done um oh i'm really sorry price is going up Oh, we hate to do it nah prices go up doesn't matter don't give it any more thought schedule it in once a year get it done forget about it that's how it is um the so that's number one number two is about trusting yourself so i've told this story in kind of on other forums but it's valuable here at the height of dragon's den and when everyone was like you know get an advisor you you don't know what you don't know get all the right people in which i do believe in obviously but the key phrase there is right people we somehow despite the fact we managed to grow our firm from nothing to around that time about a kind of 300k turnover in, in a couple of years um somehow believed that we were no good at sales somehow got it into our heads that we couldn't sell so we wanted to bring on a sales director and this guy came in you know, giving it all that you know, big chat um anyway long story short we took on this huge, on his advice, like, yeah, this is gonna be huge. And we were two young women. We just needed somebody to be in our corner. We'd obviously spent a lot of time fighting against people going, this will never work. You're not doing it right, all that kind of stuff. So as soon as someone came in and was like, this is amazing, we're like, yes, it is amazing. I believe everything this man says. Um, And we bought into it. We took on this huge office. We didn't have enough clients to pay the new staff we'd taken on. We didn't have enough clients to pay the rent. Um, And he ghosted us and he disappeared. <laughs> Yeah, he disappeared and we couldn't, he just disappeared and couldn't get hold of him. And, and we had a contract in place, we're not stupid, but if someone ghosts you, like contracts are worthless, if someone ghosts you, they ghost you, what can you do? Um, We had a contract in place, but did we have enough money at that point for any legal fees? Absolutely not. Um, Yeah, so we just had to, I remember sitting on the floor of our conference room, hilarious, what did we need a conference room for? Um, Yeah, just in pieces, crying. And then we're like, right, here we are, shoe leather time, back out there, back at it. And that's what we did. So, yeah, trust yourself. You know your business.
1: Absolutely. Fantastic. Great bit of advice from the trenches there. And finally, is there kind of any one uh, one kind of book you've read or a piece of advice you've received uh, that has really transformed your thinking? and uh and helped you that you know you would recommend to others
0: oh i do that thing where i read so many like so many books it's hard to pick one so there's one book i'm a bit obsessed with and this is i'm not condoning this as advice it's not advice but if anyone's ever read the theranos story of elizabeth holmes and the theranos story um go and read that because it's a fascinating insight into um into um selling yourself when you have any product you know whenever and and it's kind of like this kind of reverse kind of motivation thing whenever i get a bit of like oh i can't do this or this is too hard why is nothing ever easy or you know you're pitching in front of somebody and you kind of have to you know, kind of have to believe in yourself I quite often think about Elizabeth Holmes and the Theranos and think about how she managed to raise become a Forbes uh youngest ever billionaire without actually having any sort of product that worked um so obviously that's massively fraudulent and she'll probably go to prison but um I, I quite often think about that and having that confidence and having that kind of Um, unwavering belief in yourself and I'm a pretty confident person but even I waver now now and again that's a really fascinating insight into it um I think that's yeah that's um that that's 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 it's a really good book to read just because it's also really fascinating insight into uh raising money and like how that works and yeah very interesting book called bad blood Mm -hmm. bad blood the the uh, Elizabeth Holmes story Fantastic. It's not what I've heard of.
1: So um, yeah, thank you for sharing that. And thank you for attending today, Uh, everyone, if you're here. And uh, Lucy, thank you so much for being here. It's been uh, been amazing listening to your story. And if you're watching, I'm sure you've taken away a few nuggets yourself, things that uh, pop out to me with the fact that, um, yeah, put your prices up. You know, you've heard it from me before, and I've heard it from Lucy. So put your prices up. I know <laughs> <laughs> clients don't care. So uh, absolutely do that. And the other one is, of course, positioning. Know who your client is. That is so, so important in order to be able to build a scalable and profitable practice. So once again, thank you so much for attending. If you have any ideas and uh, want me to bring on any other accountants you might know that are doing great things, pop me a message and uh, we will catch up very soon, no doubt. Thanks once again, Lucy, and take care, everyone. Speak to you soon.
0: Thank you.
1: I, I hope you enjoyed that uh, session with Lucy. Wasn't it amazing? Wasn't it her story remarkable? A great uh, story from rags to riches as it were. And uh, great to hear how she has developed a particular niche in the sector of low cost leadership to gain a competitive advantage over others. As always, do let me know your feedback. I would love if you could rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast so we can reach more listeners and get on more great guests like Lucy. As always, send me a message, connect with me on LinkedIn if there's any other accountants in the trenches that you would love to hear from, and I will be sure to add them on the list and send them an invite. I hope you enjoyed that session. Take care, and I'll see you on the next one. Bye for now.